dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to Him forever. I have a slight echo on my end. I hope that's not... Are you hearing an echo? No. Okay. It are you, are you hearing an echo audience of one? Yeah. <laughs> no echo for her either. Let's introduce the audience of one. All right. We have Mariana Masters here with us today. Do you want to say hi, Mariana? Hi. Do you want to give a shout out to anyone? No. Okay. <laughs> You're not going to give a shout out to your mom? <gasps> oh, okay, good. I thought she did. That's good. Um, the, that She always talks to me about it. Maybe she's just pretending. Okay. So, um, Mariana is a mutual friend of both Father Michael. How do you say that grammatically? She's a mutual friend of Father Michael's and mine. Father Michael and I. Father. A mutual friend. Mariana is both of our. Oh, that one's hard too. Um, We're both friends with Mariana. (laughs) A mutual friend of Father Michael and. You don't know either. I feel a lot better about this now. Mine. I think it's Father Michael and mine, which sounds really weird, but if you split them up, that's how it would be. Okay. Well, uh, I've never been. Dear grammar Nazis, rage. Get it, grammar. Rage. Get out your your, your, uh, computers and just send Mother Natalia angry emails about our our horrible grammar. Yeah. Beth is really upset right now. I'm just kidding. Beth is. (laughs) um, She's she's the grammar Nazi we love most. (laughs) um, She's actually not even a grammar Nazi, but. So I don't know why that popped in my head, but someone is. If Mother Petra were listening, she'd be very frustrated. Um, the So Mariana, we've known for many, many years. Uh, we were friends with her family back when we were both in Colorado, Father Michael and I, mm-hmm. because she lived there too. But she is her family lives here in Ohio now, and she's here on observership at the monastery, so for a five-week visit. And we are finishing... Did you just finish? You just finished one week, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're at like nine days or something. So, yeah. oh, you're 20, in your observer. Twenty percent right of the way through. Yeah. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Time flies. I remember you saying you were coming, but I forgot when it was. Mm-hmm. Nice. It's right now. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. So, Mariana. And how long are you there for, Mariana? Until um, November twentieth. Okay. November twentieth. If you can, you hear that? I don't know if you can hear. I can. Yeah, and you're gonna get. You're gonna get five days of. Uh, Philip's fast then. Yeah, that's true. We set yeah. the fast on the fifteenth. Oh, how fun! November fifteenth. Um, how fun! <laughs> oh man! <laughs> if we you think have... that's fun, then you are definitely bound to be in then. <laughs> <laughs> Father Michael, this comes out on November seventeenth. That's what we should have done the episode on. Oh, oh we I did one on that. Philip's fast last year. Yeah, I thought of that. I was just like, I'm just not ready. I I, I literally put Philip's fast on the parish calendar this morning. I, oh. I like marked on the parish online calendar like, oh, Philip's fast is coming up. So, oh, well. I haven't even scheduled our parish like Christmas Eve and Christmas Day liturgies, and that is coming very quickly. Like that should have been scheduled a while ago. But anyway, that's how much that's to do list. That's two months away. That's only two months away. I know. Christmas is only two months away. Yeah. That's amazing. That's at the time that we're recording this. Yeah. That's not. I love Christmas. I love it being two months away. I I am yeah. so disappointed on 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 December twenty sixth. Like I just. I say we have 365 more days until Christmas. I, I, every year I think that. Like we are at the longest point right now from Christmas. So the lead up to Christmas <laughs> is so much better. Like, yes, two months. Like I want there to be more time because I want, I want to still be looking forward to Christmas is coming. That's so funny. Definitely I always, we, we each at the monastery, we each pick one other nun. It used to be 
secret, but now it no longer is because some of the nuns get anxious about having to keep secrets from each other. Anyways, it was a whole big thing, but it's no longer a secret anymore. But we each have one other nun, and um, I'm usually really anxious, like right up until a few weeks before, and then I have an amazing idea, but it's only a few weeks before, and so it takes me a very long time to do. Um, Like I did... Oh man, like one year for Mother Theodora, I, um, I created, I wrote an office for St. John Paul II, just for private use, right? Like just for us here at the monastery. So I had to read the books to do the research, um, not to mention writing the actual propers. I wrote all the full, full office for Matins, Vespers, all of that. Um, and another year, what was the other thing I did that the nuns thought was insane? Oh, that same year, I think, is when I translated the book as a community Christmas gift. Mm. And anyways, this year, um, maybe a week ago, I had my idea for my Christmas. You're, and it's and I, two it months. Is. Yeah, we picked, uh, we picked a few oh. weeks ago because some, oh. some of the nuns were also anxious about uh, not having enough time to think about it. So, What do you do when you have an odd number? Well, it's not pairs. You just each oh. pick another person. So... So somebody's totally left out, maybe? No. It's like, because it's not paired off. Like, think of if you had, if it was the three of us, you had Mariana, Mariana had me, I had you. Everyone would, yeah. Okay. So it still works out. It wouldn't work if we were paired off, but. You're not exchanging, you're just. Exactly, yeah. Okay, cool. So. That's, so the point of that is that I already thought of my Christmas gift for my person, and I'm really excited because I never think of it that far ahead. When you said for my person, it makes it sound like all these things on social media now where they oh my gosh they talk about my person is actually like how the voice of a dog. Like like oh, the dog. Like, like, like my owner, my dog, they would say my person. they say my person, yeah. That's funny. That's um, I no, I have Mother Petra. All right. You're not going to share what you're going to do, though, obviously. Cause no. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> I've never seen you look more horrified than you did just now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you said, no, nah, that's not true. You, I've, you've seen me more horrified. That's <laughs> right. Uh, All right. Um, so I was thinking. Wait, don't that, set the topic yet. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Run. I have a correction from a previous podcast and I have a shout out to give. The when shout out. When shout outs from the beginning? I say this every time, but. Because I started it and. You're, so you're being so fine. manipulative right now. You just you decide to do something, and you don't run it by me, and then you just start <laughs> doing it, and like then you're like shocked that I would have maybe even want to say in this. <laughs> and I'm glad you're laughing. <laughs> you you do things all the time on the podcast that you don't ask I my know. approval for. Um, okay, you know what? You can give shout outs at the end if you want, like, and exactly, I can give my shout outs exactly. at the beginning. I'm gonna do fine. my shout outs in the middle of a sentence that you're saying. <laughs> I can like tell you. I'll be like, okay. So my shout out for the week is. <laughs> can I give a shout out, please? Even though, okay. Um, I guess. I guess here's the thing. It's your episode, so I should do the shout outs at the point at which you're going to allow it. So. <laughs> you can do them whenever you want. Okay. Mother. <laughs> I have. I have just one shout out to give. I don't know who the person is because there wasn't a note in the box and I don't even know if it's a podcast listener. It could be someone else who loves the monastery. But someone sent us, we received in the mail today, 60 pounds of coffee. You know those, you know those, the the really big five pound coffee bags? 
Okay, those are five pounds. Twelve. Okay. We got Holy twelve cow. of those. Wow. Sixty pounds of coffee. So do any of you give up coffee for Phillips Fest? Um I don't know. I'm not going to. I think I told you I had a seminarian one time staying with me and he literally, like the day before Lent, before the Great Fast began, he found a deal on chili, like meat chili oh, yeah. at the supermarket and he bought like a hundred cans of it because they were like they were like <laughs> for a buck and he I walked into his room and he literally had like a wall of chili cans <laughs> and he's like I'm literally only going to eat chili every day three meals a day until these are gone and I was like dude great fast begins tomorrow and you're a Byzantine <laughs> and he just like you saw his whole countenance just like drop oh, I was like man. talk to your spiritual director <laughs> yeah um, about, about you know what 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 your own personal great fast regimen is going to be but anyway so that's the shout out i wanted to give again i don't know if it was we kind of suspect who it might be and if so it's not a podcast listener but i just want to cover all my bases in case it was what is what brand of coffee uh i don't is remember it, like, it said like, brooklyn something oh so it's like craft coffee or something like that a small batch whatever they call fancy coffee nowadays I don't know, but 60 okay. pounds is not a small batch. That is not a small batch. So, anyways, that's that. Well, congratulations. I, I, got, uh, I got something in the mail yesterday, a big bag of nothing. <laughs> 60 pounds of it. 60 pounds of nothing, dear listeners. <laughs> this, this, you know what, Father Michael? This I'm is going to be a wound. <laughs> No, yeah, well, it's going to be a wound for me that I have to listen to your whining about not getting presents. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I actually do get presents. You guys do send me presents, and I appreciate it um, yeah. immensely. I'm trying to think what the last one I got was. I'm looking around my desk right now. Um, I don't remember. I bought That's probably why. They, they've stopped sending you presents because they know that you're not actually going to remember to thank them for it. Exactly. This is actually very true. This is very true. <laughs> Okay, can I give my correction before you move into your topic? It's actually, I just found out what your topic is, and it's actually very relevant. So I, several episodes ago, since we record so far ahead, um, probably by the time this comes out, I've already received an email correcting me on it, but it hasn't come out yet. So several episodes ago, I said that the Vulgate numbering of the Psalms was the higher number, and that's incorrect. The Vulgate numbering is the same as the Septuagint or Greek numbering. And so it's the Hebrew, the Masoretic text or whatever is the, the lower numbering of the Psalms. The most obvious example being Psalm, I'm sorry, higher. The most obvious example of the Psalm um, being Psalm 51 in the Hebrew Masoretic text. The, the Septuagint and also the Vulgate numbering would be Psalm 50. So the have mercy on me, God, in your kindness, and your compassion blot out my offense. Hebrew 51, Septuagint, or Vulgate 50. The vast number of Psalms is the higher is the Hebrew, the lower is the Greek um, Septuagint. But uh, that's they switch, I think, around Psalm 8 or 9 or 10, somewhere around there. Um, so like the first eight, I believe, are the same numbering. And then you kind of splits up and then it gets crazy again later on for like one or two Psalms. And then at the end, it, they match up again right around Psalm 148, I think. So anyway, that's easy enough to Google. Just Google the difference between Greek and Hebrew Psalm numberings. All right. Um, we are having technical difficulties. Um, Sister and Marianne are totally frozen. So 
I'm just going to go ahead and start my topic then. And when it gets figured out, I will, uh, I will trust they come back in because right now they have like full Wi-Fi I can see on Squadcast. Anyway, um, so mother, can you hear me? Your face is moving yes. again. You were frozen. Okay, good. Um, I, we, we could hear you all along. It was just oh. very garbled and sounded like something out of Star Trek, but it was okay. like the Borg or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and please continue. Thought it was amazing. All right. Um, so we did this one time on my former podcast, Catholic Stuff You Should Know, um, where we actually had this requested um, by one uh, Trevor Lontaine. Do you know Trevor? That name sounds really familiar. He's a a, currently a seminarian for the Archdiocese of Denver. Before that, he was the admissions guy, I believe. Either admissions or alumni guy. I think admissions. I know it was admissions for uh, Wyoming Catholic College. Mm, Okay. And then before that, he was a seminarian for FSSP, I believe. Um, But anyway, really, really good guy. Um, Now seminarian for the Archdiocese of Denver, and he. he It kind of sounds to me like you just gave a shout out. At the beginning of an episode, you just gave a shout out to that Trevor. Was a, that was basically. A, not a shout out. That was a name drop. It was it was a shout out. Like I want to be associated with someone that's really really cool, and that was a name drop. But you knew who that one was, or I was going to go do the whole Dr. Dre thing. I, I knew like, you were going to bring up Dr. Dre right now. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> did I did I share with you? Remember? Did I tell you about Anderson Pack? I'm totally about to drop another name here. Yes, you did. Did I did I show you the picture? No. So. I told my. I don't friend, know who Anderson Pack is. Anderson Pack is is a lesser known um, R and B artist, um, but he when I the the night that I looked over at um, over at Doctor Dre in the restaurant, my friend came and said that Anderson Pack also comes in all the time, and I said to oh, her, "If Anderson yes. Pack comes in, can you please stop me if I told this on the podcast? I don't think I did, but if Anderson Pack comes in, can you please text me, and I will literally just come get a drink at the bar." just to like shake his hand because I would I think that'd be amazing and so she said sure so I show up randomly on a Friday night with a friend and guess who's sitting at the table behind me is Anderson Pack. and now before I can like react to this my friend who's a server walks up with three tequila shots and says you your friend and I are going to go have a shot with Anderson Pack." so we walked over there and we all had tequila shots with Anderson Pack, and then he comes up. I won't tell too much of the story because part of it's just is still in process. But then the owner comes up. The owner of the restaurant comes up and says, "Hey, um, Anderson." First, he said, "He said you're the first priest I've ever met." That's like the first thing he said when I, when I did a shot with him. And then then he says, um, "Then he says I want to do." He, the owner comes up and says, "Hey, Anderson wants to do a project with you." And I was like, "What?" So I walk over there anyway, and he describes this whole project. And this is this is funny because it was after your your life profession. But he says mm-hmm. to me, he says, "Father." I want to do a project. I want to use your church. And I said, uh, okay, but see, he cusses a lot. And so <laughs> the first thing I said to him was like, but I, I can't let you use my church if you're going to cuss. And he goes, this is me. I'm not going to cuss. And I'm like, dude, I listen to your music. I, I know you cuss. But anyway, so he says, he says, this is my project. This is my project. He says, I want to do a story about a girl who wants to become a nun, but hear me out. He falls in love with a guy, <laughs> and he's looking for like this big shocking. You're like, look I on know my face. someone who's a nun who falls in love every other day. <laughs> well, I was just like, I said, I he's like this. He wanted me to like look shocked. Like, oh my gosh, that's so scandalous. But I was like, that happens all the time. <laughs> like, it always happens where if you're a, a, someone in the church discerning celibacy and they fall in love with someone, like 
that is a normal part of discernment. Do you know, like, yeah. it, it's absolutely true. So he's like, he's like, so I think I kind of took the wind out of his sails, but look, look at this. That's cool. Someone's my friend snapped a picture of, of him. Cause he, 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 he had been, he had been drinking a bit. Let's put it he that looks way. like he's praying over you. That's funny. He does. And so he has his hand on my shoulder for those of you who can't see it. And then, but he kept on hugging me like over and over again. That's I funny. think it was just like this. He's like, we're doing a project and this is a priest. I've never talked to a priest before. Anyway, it was really funny. And I, I got a kick out of it. But when I was done talking with him, I did not say to my friend, hey, did you get a photo of that? Because I didn't want to like make a big deal of it. But then she's like, she sends me, when I got home, she sends me the photo. Nice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, anyways, I, don't, I don't know who that is. The name sounds vaguely familiar. But do you, do you remember when you asked um, my, you asked my dad if he knew who Dr. Dre was. And he was like, of course I do. Who doesn't know who Dr. Dre is? And you're like, your daughter. (laughs) Exactly. She was too, she was too enthralled by Star Trek to, uh, to listen to I didn't start watching Star Trek until I was in college. Do you understand that when we make fun of you for not knowing who Dr. Dre is, that we are actually jealous of your purity and your, your separation from the things of the world? I don't know about that. All right, we're yeah. we're 17 minutes in. We've got to get to this topic. So it was my fault. That was all one big cowboy slash Perla, two squirrels running together because you were talking about <laughs> because you gave a shout out to Trevor, running and dancing and everything else. Trevor. Oh yeah. Taylor. Trevor. Nope, Trevor. Trevor. Sorry. <laughs> now I threw you off. It's Trevor. Um, so anyway, he he said. Um, he said, I want to, I would love for you guys to do a, I think he was Psalm 157. He said, I'd love for you and Goldwell, my old podcast co-host to do a, like a live interpretation of Psalm 157. And so I just threw, threw, I said, did you just say Psalm 157? That doesn't exist. Must you? (laughs) (laughs) There are only 150 Psalms. And the funny thing is that it didn't, it didn't even dawn on me that that's wrong. Like I know there's only, I just said there's 150 Psalms, but I, it it must've been 147 or 150. No, there's not 152 either. It must've like 142 or one. Anyway, maybe it was 124. Trevor, let me know which one it was. I'll look back on it. Anyway, I, this morning I prayed third hour, which is unusual for me. And I prayed third hour because I was, 20 minutes late to my normal morning prayer time. And I thought, you know what? I always pray first hour. I'm going to pray third hour. So as I read through the first two Psalms of third hour, namely Septuagint Psalm 16 and Septuagint Psalm 24, I thought I need to get better at the Psalms. I really want to know, obviously, because I think there's over 150 of them. I need to like learn more. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but but I, I do, I do want to be able to give I love giving psalms as penances mm. and I love you know somebody gave me a great penance by the way um, the other day I went to confession like two weeks ago and, and he said he said I got this as a penance one time and I'm going to give you as a penance because I think it's great so now I've given it as a penance a couple times but he said I want you for one minute for 60 seconds to meditate upon the creation of light mm. like in Genesis just meditate mm-hmm. upon the creation of light and then he said, and, and finished that off with it, Our Father. I was like, that's, that's a great penance because I was like, like what am I going to meditate about? I spent 60 seconds pretty like enthralled in the whole formless and void to light to from like nothingness to everything. You know, anyway, it was a beautiful, beautiful penance. Um, but I had, I had a penance recently where the priest, um, he's a really good confessor, by the way. I'll tell you later who it is because maybe that's weird to say on the podcast, but he's a really good confessor. Mm. Um, and the penance he gave me, part of it was to think of 
So think of three people who have loved me more than I deserve. Um, he said, he said, not just the people who like say that they love you or that they will love you no matter what, but the people who have, have really acted out of that love and tangibly loved you more than you deserve. Um, and so I thought of you first, obviously, and, uh, Perla and Laura were the ones that came to mind. So that was my, there was more to the penance, but that was the, anyways. We don't have time for me to fight you on that one. So, um, so we'll just continue on. Great. Um, so I was praying this morning and I, I, so Psalm 16, Septuagint Psalm 16. So I would love right now if I, I'll just read the whole thing. It's not that long. And then um, I, I, I mean, I, when, when Trevor asked us to do this, I actually did not read the Psalm before I did. So I read it on the podcast. Those of you Catholic Chapel listeners that remember this, I read it on the podcast and then we just started going, we talked about it and we actually got into some pretty cool topics that were not planned. I think we got into Playboy and Hugh Hefner, like Hugh Hefner just died. So like we got into the whole like, playboy thing like the evils of pornography thing all from this psalm so we'll see where this goes um i think we should probably finish up in about 45 minutes so this will be a shorter episode um but and I'm at, sure what, read psalms- at what point did you tell the listeners on catholic stuff that psalm 157 didn't exist <laughs> i gotta look up which one it was now because in my mind i see a one a five and a seven and obviously do you remember you any of the lines you can't even switch those around are, are, did you just say, did you, do you remember something and then expect me to say yes? Yeah. Okay. No, <laughs> no you're I right. Remember, was, I, don't remember, yeah. I don't remember any of the lights. <laughs> um, I'll look it up. I'm sure, I'm sure I can see, I'm sure I can like scan through. I'm totally kidding, by the way. Um, I should have remembered the, one of the lines. Okay. I'm going to read Psalm 16, Septuagint. Right out of our um, Sisters of St. Basil uh, prayer book, and which you also have in front of you, so. Lord, hear a cause that is just. Pay heed to my cry. Turn your ear to my prayer. No deceit is on my lips. From you may my judgment come forth. Your eyes discern the truth. You search my heart. You visit by night. You test me and you find in me no wrong. My words are not sinful like human words. I kept from violence because of your word. I kept my feet firmly in your paths. There was no faltering in my steps. I am here and I call. You will hear me, O God. Turn your ear to me, hear my words. Display your great love, you whose right hand saves your friends from those who rebel against them. Guard me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings from the violent attack of the wicked. My foes encircle me with deadly intent, their hearts tight shut, their mouths speak proudly. They advance against me and now they surround me. Their eyes are watching to strike me to the ground as though they were lions ready to claw or like some young lion crouched in hiding. Lord, arise, confront them, strike them down. Let your sword rescue my soul from the wicked. Let your hand, O Lord, rescue me from my enemy, from those whose reward is in this present life. You give them their fill of your treasures. They rejoice in abundance of offspring and leave their wealth to their children. As for me, in my justice, I shall see your face and be filled when I awake with the sight of your glory. So this this has never been a psalm that struck me, but I just this morning is is the beginning of the third hour, which I think is is something that for those of us that like praying the hours, um, we should we should meditate upon. So I appreciate it doing it along with you, sister. Can Mother, can you sister. just very briefly before we go into the psalm, can you explain what the hours are for those who might not know? Sure. So the hours are um, monastic prayer. They take about maybe 10, 15 minutes each. Um, so they're much, much shorter than most Byzantine services. So in the in the Byzantine Catholic day, 
uh, when you're when you're praying all the various services that happen throughout the day. Um, the day begins with vespers, right at sundown. Um, that comes from Genesis, of course. Evening came, then morning, the first day. So you have vespers, and then you have, sometimes you have big vespers, small vespers. But anyway, vespers, and then compline. Sometimes big compline, small compline, or whatever the various terms for that. So you have vespers, which is at sundown. Compline, which is right before bed. Midnight office, which is you wake up for at some point in in the night. I think some monasteries actually do that first thing in the morning before matins. Um, but but I, I know that in other monasteries you would wake up uh, to do midnight office, and then you have matins, which is at sunrise, and then you have first hour, which is around six, third hour, which is around nine, uh, sixth hour, which is around noon, ninth hour, which is around three p.m., and then you would go to vespers again. So so ninth hour would be the last last prayer service of the liturgical day, and vespers would be the first. Because uh, after 3 p.m., then you're you're waiting again till sundown. Um, each of these hours, so first, third, sixth, and ninth hour, are the more monastic tradition. Um, and all of these have, um, and I, I did not, I wrote this down a while ago, so I'm hoping to say this correctly. If I'm saying it wrong, I'll correct myself next time. Um, but but each of those hours have some sort of reference, and actually you probably know this, Mother, um, some reference to the the passion um, of Christ. So uh, first hour also refers to, or we remember uh, Christ's accusation, um, Christ being presented before Pilate um, at the beginning of his passion, if that part of his passion. Uh, the third hour, so that's at 6 a.m. The third hour at nine, at, uh, excuse me, the third hour at 9 a.m. commemorates uh, Christ's um, being convicted. So the, the judgment handed down on, upon him um, and then at sixth hour, which is at noon, the crucifixion, and then three uh, ninth hour, which is at three p.m., would be his death. So you have um, being presented before Pilate, being convicted by Pilate, being crucified at the cross, and then dying at these various hours um, that they commemorate, or at least the, the church has said um, that they we remember those moments at those times. Um, but also, I believe it is uh, third hour at nine a.m. that also commemorates Pentecost, um, which happened in the morning when, when St. Peter says it's the morning, we're not drunk yet. Um, mm -hmm. So these are, these are the hours other than Vespers, Baptist, and Compline, Midnight Office, that the church uh, prays to, to sanctify the day, to make the day holy, to make sure that there's, that we're, we're pausing every few hours um, from our work, from our rest, from our eating, whatever it is to, to pray. And the Psalms make up the core of these hours as they do with almost every one of the hours. Generally then the divine liturgy would fit into that, um, would be in, in most monasteries, would be after third hour. So it would, it would follow upon these Psalms that we're just praying now is the divine liturgy would be done after that. Hmm. Anything to add? Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know to which part you're referring. Um, do, you mean the, do you mean the Psalms are supposed to point oh, just us to those th those, those hours of the day. Oh, okay. I thought you meant, um, okay. You thought you meant I was like a theme in that hour? Yes. Okay. It, it may be, it may be, I've, I've never exactly discerned what that, what that may be. Um, but that's something um, that. No, I don't think it is. Okay. Do you know something yeah. else that, that those hours commemorate? Other no. Than the Passion of Christ and Pentecost? Okay. Um, Your pause makes me think that we're having technical difficulties. I can hear you. I can hear clicking. 
Anyway. Okay. Um, can you hear me, Mother? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I just I just hid both I just hid both cameras. So okay. um I think uh sorry, we're having I'm having like horrible technology problems. Can you can you see and hear me? Yes. Okay. So um Yes, I I have heard those those referenced um, those different hours meaning those different things um, the theme of Pentecost all that I just thought you meant in the specific liturgical hours that we hear those um, because at the like for sixth hour we do say um, at this very hour you are hung upon the life giving cross mm-hmm. and so there is um, I think we say that that's stuck in my head for some reason that's also um, well it's. I think that may be also to confuse things further. There's a reference to the cross also at ninth hour. Um, Actually, that's the one I'm thinking of. Which I think. is the one, which is, yeah, when, when we normally, according to what I just said, we'd commemorate his death. So he'd be on the cross, but he would have died at that time. Yeah. Um, this, the uh, uh, synoptic gospels in John um, have a slightly different time scheduling of exactly when these events happened in time. But um, anyway, that's when we commemorate those things. Okay. So um, that's what the hours are. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, sure. Um, Back to so, Psalm 16 now that it's probably never not in anyone's mind anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so yes, do you have any thoughts on that? Oops. I just on on Psalm 16? Yes. Oh, you got to start this. This is your episode. Okay. Um, so, I, I read that this morning. I didn't have any, any thoughts, but there were a couple of things going through here that, um, that struck me as I was just reading it now. Um, by the way, this is what this is what some priests and almost probably every priest at least once or twice in his ministry has to do, where he uh, he kind of writes a homily while listening to the gospel that he proclaims from the altar. Um, I've had to do that a couple times. Uh, I think I think that's shame. I think that's a good thing to do on the podcast though, because what 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 you're doing here, what you're suggesting we do is is lexio divina, right? It's it's praying right. with scripture, um, and I think that's really helpful for all of our listeners who um, don't necessarily know how to pray with scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And there's there's something about this psalm that at first struck me, and I remember even thinking that this morning when I was actually praying it um, during the hour, uh, there's something about this that is, I was, I actually thought of you, Mother, um, and I apologize for this because um, you you are you are very, as I think we all know. You are very dedicated to asceticism, and that's like one at the heart of your monasticism, which is beautiful. Um, but it's also, I think, you're also a a child of your generation, and um, the attacks of the devil have become um, taken the form of of uh, a, a lack of of self confidence mm. that that is like at at the core of of many people in our generation. But mm-hmm. like this psalm smacks of confidence mm. like there's this i have enemies and my enemies are are attacking me and i'm asking you oh lord to enact justice upon my enemies but the reason why i'm asking this is because i know that i do not have guilt in at least in the way that, that they're saying there, there's a there's an like lord look at me look at me i've, I've been doing what is right and there, there's two ways of doing this I mean, there's obviously the the holy, the healthy way of seeing this, and that is that my enemies, in other words, there's an injustice here. What my enemies accuse me of, what my enemies are 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 fighting me about, is is something that that 
that I am basically or generally doing the right thing and they are either attacking me because of the influence of the devil or because they misunderstand, you know, um, which of course happens a lot. Um, or, um, you know, uh, what was I going to say the second thing? Either they're attacking me for just, or we have like a different ideology. That's what it was. We have a different ideology. Namely, we see this like with politics nowadays. You know, you say, um, I, I read a thing the other day that says, you know, pretty much, I forget which schools, I wouldn't be surprised if it was here in LA, but some, maybe even nationally, maybe the federal school, um, whatever the office for, for education is, where we're saying that, that pretty much public education is the primary educators of our children. And it even says something like, we cannot trust parents um, to give the children what they need to grow up to be good Americans. And like, that is so horrifying to the Catholic mind. You know, parents are the primary educators of their children. They absolutely are. Parents are the primary educators of their children. And and when the state says that they're not and wants to take that role away from from parents, now that does not mean that some parents are bad. It does not mean that some parents need to have their children, um, in a sense, educated apart from them because they're teaching them bad ideology. That's not the case. But but in general, the primary educators of our children are our parents. That that that's that is the teaching of the church, and that is the truth. That that's the way that God created the world for this to happen. Again, they work they work in tandem, of course. Parents and schools and whatever it is should work that way. But the parents are always the primary educators of children. This is a big pet peeve I have with with ECF with Sunday school. Is that I don't know how many times I've heard parents say it's the responsibility of the church. And the responsibility of the pastor to educate their children in the faith. No, it's not. It's mm-hmm. your job as a parent. You are the primary educator of your child in the faith. And if you if you blame the kid leaving the church on on a bad education, on a bad ECF, bad confirmation classes, you know all these things. That's just that that is not the case. Even even marriage prep, even marriage prep. I mean, I, I don't know how often we hear uh, couples that are that are separated, divorced, blame the marriage prep from the church, but mm-hmm. but. The church is there. The church has a responsibility to prepare couples for marriage. But I would argue that 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 is a responsibility of the couple and even of their parents, especially if they're young, you know, uh, to, to, to prepare them for this great change in life. Again, we don't when someone when a marriage fails, you don't blame, you know, it's unhealthy and unhelpful to, to try to find the blame, you know. So, yes, marriage prep, we need to improve marriage prep. And when we hear people say that, yes, we need to improve marriage prep in the church. But we also need to improve the way that that communities, including families and the domestic church, interact with their children to teach them how to live a good marriage and how to you know, deal with all the crosses and all the joys that come through it. So there, there's a there's a working together of the church and society and family in all of this. Um, but the primary educators, the primary formators of children will always be their family and will always be their parents. Um, so in other words, that's another reason why why we as we as Catholics and Christians may cry out and say, you know. Lord, strike down my enemies. My enemies may be those who are promoting an ideology counter to what the church is teaching are even on things like that. Um, you know, I know I'm in the right. I know I believe the right thing. Namely, parents are the primary educators of their children. And I know that the state, in this case, whatever, whoever it was in this article I read, I know that they're against that. So in that sense, I'm asking God to to change their minds. You know, this is unjust. It is, it is untrue what they're proposing um, and so I know, not that I know I'm in the right because I'm holy or I'm not sinful, but rather because I understand and want to promote what is true and, and the state in this case does not. Yeah, I I think that's interesting because I, um, 
I mean, this is how the Psalms work. This is how, how Lexio Divina works. But I, I receive something very different when I, when I read that line about um, the attack of the wicked and, and the enemies and the foes and all of that. And um, in part, I think that's because I'm a monastic and you're very much um, living in the world, but at least, at least more than I am. But uh, I, have, I have two comments. One is when I read that, my first thought is, is demons from, from the attacks of, of demons of the devil. And, and, and that's not because I want to over-spiritualize it. And just as a heads up, I can't, I hate your incoming video so that we could have a good connection. And so I can't see you and, um, you know, that stresses me out, but I'm doing it anyways. And so, um, not because I'm trying to over-spiritualize it because, when the Jews were writing this, um, when David or whoever wrote this Psalm was writing it, you know, they're, they're thinking surely of their, their literal physical enemies. <laughs> but, um, but the greatest attack against us, and in some sense, the only attack that really matters is um, in the long term, right, is, is the, the spiritual attack. Because it's it's like everything we read with Father Walter Chiswick or in Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning or something like that is is the only thing that can be taken away. Like everything can be taken away from us except for our ability um, to choose to see meaning in something or or to choose a certain attitude or, or whatever it is. And so I immediately see this um, being applicable to the attacks of, of the evil one. And, and in that sense, um, I'm really moved by all of the parts leading up to it about no deceit is on my lips. Your eyes discern the truth. Um, you test me and you find me no wrong. I, I think that there's, if we look at this as an attack, um, as a plea for defense against the attacks of the evil one, there's this beautiful sincerity there of it's this crying out of, Lord, you know that at the deepest level, I do not want what the devil is telling me I want. Um, and so it's like, he searches my heart. He visits me by night. He tests me and he finds in me no wrong. Like he knows that my deepest desires are for him, um, which is really important to remind ourselves of because when the temptations come from the devil, when the attacks come from the devil, it's very easy for us to quickly identify ourselves with the thoughts or with the temptations and say, um, oh, I'm a horrible person because I'm thinking this, or I'm a horrible person because I want this. And, and it's important, I think, for us to remind ourselves even that at the deepest level, we do desire God. Um, and sometimes even that reminder can give us the strength um, to not give in to the temptations and and to renounce them in the Lord's name. So that's one thing. But another thing is I, I really like this Psalm because I'm saying this only just now as we're reading it. It's not like I've always thought, oh, I really like Psalm 16. Um, I really like this Psalm because it really covers a lot of, a lot of the different emotions that we feel mm-hmm. and the different experiences that we have. And then that's why, I know I've talked about this on the podcast before, but that's why I love the Psalm so much. And you're giving me, you're reminding me, Father Michael, of my appreciation for the Psalms. Because when we, in the chapel, we have a reading, we have reading from the Psalter for 30 minutes, almost straight with just one little hymn in between. Um, 
well, one sessional hymn. Anyways, um, the 30 minutes during matins, and then at Vespers, another 15 minutes of just reading the Psalter. And uh, the past few days, especially, I've gotten into the habit of just totally zoning out during that time or like, oh, this is the 30 minutes at which I'm going to plan what the rest of my day looks like. No, that's not what that <laughs> time is for. Um, so you're reminding me of my appreciation for the Psalms. But part of that great appreciation comes because, as I've said before, the psalmist can can so clearly articulate oftentimes the things that I'm feeling and experiencing but have no words for. Sometimes I don't even realize that I'm feeling it until I pray the psalm. And then I'm like, oh man, that's it. That's that's what I'm feeling. And so like it gives words to, um, which, which beautiful art does as well. But um, anyway, so this psalm, Right there's this this sense of um, of unjust persecution, which we've all experienced and we all know the pain of. Uh, but and and there's this this sense of of feeling vulnerable, um, which we've all experienced. And but there's also this this sense of just fear when he says. When the psalmist says, their eyes are watching to strike me to the ground as though they were lions ready to claw or like some young lion crouched in hiding, right? My foes encircle me with deadly intent. They advance against me and now they surround me. Like there's this this feeling of fear, um, but there's also this feeling, what you get throughout the entire psalm is this underlying sense of confidence. And it's not just the confidence that you were talking about, Father Michael, of the confidence of I've actually done right here. It's even more importantly, it's confidence in the Lord. Like the psalmist, as they're speaking in this particular psalm, there are other psalms where not as much, but in this particular psalm, the psalmist has the utmost confidence that what he is asking of the Lord, the Lord is going to give. He's like, um, of of course you're going to give me protection because how could you do otherwise? And... uh so it's an inspiration to have that that confidence in the Lord. Amen. Uh, when you were saying that, I had to look it up. But um, you know, uh, this is Ephesians six twelve. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Mm. Um, you know, this is obviously Saint Paul explaining that that you, you see other enemies right in front of you, but the real enemy, like you said so eloquently, mother is is the demons. Um, I also, it was interesting because when I read that, I thought, you know, if we look at this from a purely secular perspective, namely in the world, then we have worldly people that are our enemies and we have worldly justice that we're claiming we have. Mm-hmm. In the spiritual world, we obviously have um, like the demons, like Ephesians uh, 6, 12. We have th- those who attack us, but in the where are we justified in the spiritual world? And you answered that, you know, we're justified by Christ, but we're also justified by our deepest desires. Hmm. And I think this, I think the church needs to be a little more eloquent about that reality when it comes to mortal sin and purgation, like deadly sin and purgation, because I think that's a really good thing to say, uh, have, have our deepest desires, have our deepest desires been spoiled? Have our hmm. deepest desire turned towards the devil? And hmm. I think if that happens, we need to be very afraid of eternal damnation. If, uh, and like our surface desires, those in a sense can be detoxed or purged in purgation. Uh, the, the surface ones, but the deeper ones, that's when we should really be afraid, more afraid. Of course, we should always have a, a healthy um, fear of, of sin and of death and of offending God. But, but there, there's a deeper, well, once, once our deeper desires have turned away from God and have turned towards sin, 
Mm -hmm. um, that's when I think we, we, the church needs to be more eloquent in saying, that's what you need to analyze. Look to see what your deepest desires. If your deepest desires are for God and your sins um, are because you are weak or because, you know, you, you, your passions have, have taken over the surfacing, but deep, deep down, you really do want purification. Deep, deep down, you really do want the things of God, faith, hope, love, truth, beauty, goodness. You know, you want all these things deep down. Um, that, that's a, a good test because, as you said, our deepest desires are good. And if mm -hmm. they are, which means that we're, quote, in a state of grace or we're, we're moving towards holiness, you know, um, the, the sacraments are fruitful. The sacraments find, find fruit in us, um, in our behavior, in our, in our life, in our actions, et cetera. Then we can, we can understand that well because it was, when I was thinking about that, it was hard to say, when are we ever just in the spiritual well? We're not. We receive everything from God. It's pure grace. It's pure gift. But that's the case. Our, our desires, the, the, if we're talking about Psalm 16 being about the, of the spiritual things, we can say the deepest desires and God himself are, are what we're claiming, are the places where we're saying, this is where I'm claiming that I am just. And I, I, I think that the, the other thing that's really helpful there is if you're really, if you're really looking at your deepest desire and like, what am I actually trying to fulfill here? In, in what way am I really seeking with or desiring union with God um, in this, in this, uh, in this way, or like even the temptations and the thoughts that come, they're only playing on some desire that we have for God, right? They're, they're taking this desire that we have for God. They're, they're twisting it. They're perverting it into, into something, something evil, um, a lack of good, a perversion of good. And so if, if we're able to look at the deepest desires there and see how I'm really desiring God, then that can also help us to figure out um, what's the right outlet for this? What's the right way to act in order to to move towards that good desire instead of giving into this temptation? Yeah, amen, amen. And it, again, it's all a pilgrimage. We're all growing. We all have guilt. We, the guilt is forgiven. We are purged. We, we, you know, we go through the cathartic stage of, of the emptying, the stage of photesis or, or illuminating. And all these are our steps in the spiritual life and this interplay between being purged of, of ourselves, namely the sinful part of ourselves and being filled up with Christ. Um, what, what you were saying reminded me of my homily I preached this past Sunday and and uh, it, it was it's a theme that I've been thinking about a lot recently, so I've probably even mentioned it here, but um, we there were two things I said, you know, we were talking about the gospel was the rich man and Lazarus. And we, it's always striking, I think, when, when it's explained well, when you have the rich man who dressed in fine linen and purple and feasted sumptuously, he had food falling off his table, lived in a big mansion, and at his gate was this poor man Lazarus. Um, like just how close Lazarus was. He wanted Lazarus to be close in the afterlife. He goes to the bosom of Abraham and he, he asks for Lazarus to come bring him, you know, water. Um, and he wants a closeness now, whereas he had that closeness in the world when he was still alive and did not appreciate it, did not take it into account. Anyway, there's a lot there, but what I thought was, you know, what is closest to us? In a positive way, God dwells in our hearts. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. We have access to God in prayer all the time. So why do we go out and look for other things? Like, why do we, why do we look for spirituality that comes from elsewhere? Like I said to them, if you, and we all do this in a sense, we all know people who do this. If you are more knowledgeable about private revelation in the church, you know, there, we, we all know people and maybe even ourselves who, who are pretty much obsessed with private revelation. All these times that the mother of God has appeared to people and it's not, it's not 
approved yet. And so people, they know that stuff so well. And I say, that's great. But if you know that more than you know the word of God, then I'm, I'm not going to listen to you. The word of God, you like hmm. to understand the private revelation. If you know that you don't know the Bible, there's a problem there. You know, if someone knows the Bible really, really well and knows private revelation, then I will listen to them because that's the right, the order. That's mm-hmm. putting the, the, the horse before the cart. The same thing with rage. Like if I meet someone who is like, thinks that they're ju- like righteously raging, if they have ju- a righteous anger against the church, against bishops, against our government, whatever it is. And if they don't first and more so rage on their own sin, then their rage is misplaced. Your, your own, our own mm-hmm. sin is much more offensive and harmful to the body of Christ in the world than is this person that I'm raging against. And if I have someone who's living a good ascetic life, who's raging on their own sin and also is speaking out against the injustices done outside of them, then I will listen to them. Then I will say, I actually want to hear your wisdom because your rage is primarily on your own sin and then secondarily on others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it has to be in that order for, for it to be respected. Um, so that's exactly what you were saying, Mother, I perceive as, in other words, before we think outside, like I interpret it to be, we need to look inside like you interpret it to be. And that has to happen first. We need to, our primary enemy is the devil. And because he brings sin and the sin that we have is the greatest harm to the church. Um, and yet our greatest desires and which align with Jesus Christ himself, allow us to say, I am just in my thinking because Jesus Christ made me just. He, uh, he makes me just, processes the justice, and then he, ins- then he inspires me, gives me the gift of that being my greatest desire. Yeah, you know, just a, just a, side, a side note, I don't know if this will bring consolation to anybody, but there's that, that one psalm that people get really upset by that's, um, you know, about taking babies or children or whatever and dashing them against rocks. And um, it's it's so horrifying to people that in the Roman office, they even took it out of the office. Um, but what the uh, what what some of the early fathers say about that, their their commentary on it is that it's um, it means to 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 crush the sins at the very earliest stages to to demolish the temptations to expel the the evil thoughts as soon as they enter into our minds before they make it to the heart um so it's the it's the same thing you know it's the the fathers really read this spirituality into the psalms yeah yeah i i think that's um i've actually never heard it i've heard that it means like total eradication that's why god um, demanded the Hebrews, the Jews, to to kick out the Canaanites completely, get rid of any semblance of anybody that is not of the chosen people, and that was why. That's that's the interpretation for that is that that's what we do with sin, eradicate every little bit. You know, again, I've said this a million times, but when people come to confession, and go, oh, here's the the biggest sins, you know, and then or they'll say, I didn't kill anybody. It's like. God wants all the sins, big and little sins, you know, and, and just because you didn't kill anybody does not mean, and when I do that, when I think that, it does not mean that I, I you know, without the grace of God would be bound for eternal, eternal damnation, you know, and yet hope, 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 hope in Jesus Christ always. Um, okay, uh, we went a bit over what I wanted to. Um, do you have any final words, Mother? Um, I don't think so, no. That was good, though. Thank you. It was a good it looks idea. Like, it looks like it's probably one Psalm 137. I'm guessing that's 
Hebrew, if they're different, that's the one about the babies. So oh, I thought you meant that's the one that um, oh, Trevor asked you to. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll have to look that one up too. Um, Maybe that yeah, was the one you. he asked. Maybe because he was confused no, by that no, line. Oh. I, I think we would have focused on that more if, if that was the case. Mm. We didn't. It, it was kind of a, a psalm that I never thought about before, and I think that was kind of the brilliance of his of his request. Mm. Like, there, there's probably not a lot of commentaries on it. It's probably one that a lot of people have ignored for centuries, and mm. I'd like to hear two men kind of prayerfully explain it in, from their own perspective. So. All right. Well, thank you. I think that was great. Um, mm -hmm. I'm glad that we had kind of differing initial impressions um there's also a lot in that uh a lot in there's a few verses in there that, that we find in the liturgy um i think it's mostly in the silent priest parts mm. um so i i need to go dig those up but maybe i'll do that for next time if i remember i'm not gonna remember um you're not gonna remember but uh but anyway that that would be an interesting thing to do so okay uh prayer intentions if we have nothing else mm -hmm. i will uh okay prayer intentions um uh, please pray for, um, there's something, there's, there's just something I really, a, a deep, deep desire of my heart, um, that I want, and it's outside of my control. Um, but if it happens, it would be really, really amazing. Um, and I would just, if you could just keep that, that, that God's will be done. But if God's will is also Father Michael's will, if Father Michael's will can be done, um, <laughs> only if they're the same, only if they're the same. And if there's nothing hurt, it would just be, it would be, it doesn't need to happen. It would be just pure, in my opinion, helpful, the grace of God by moving souls. Um, but if that, if that could happen, it would be wonderful. So just pray for, for that special intention. Um, that'd be great. Um, I would like to ask you to pray for, um, pray in Thanksgiving for the generosity with which people love us. Um, at our monastery, um, love the podcast, etc. And I'm not just thinking about the 60 pounds of coffee, though that is a very generous gift of love. Um, but also this is coming out on November 17th and on November 13th, we are having slash had when you're hearing this our bridegroom's banquet, our annual fundraiser, so that we can do chapel renovations. And so um, I just already know. I mean, people have already started uh, giving generous donations, and I know that they'll continue to do so. And I know that a lot of them are podcast listeners. And um, yeah, so just gratitude for for the generosity that's often overwhelming. And then Mariana, would you like to give a prayer intention? Mm -hmm. uh, but I also thought of a shout out um, Ooh, to nice. my brother, John Paul. Aww, mm -hmm. that's a good one. Um, and then I would say, um, if you could please pray for our family, that would be amazing. And I'd be very thankful. So pray for the master's family. Also, I really feel like Mariana was just trying to get brownie points with you by putting her shout out at the end. I think that's what actually <laughs> happened. <laughs> I will take it. I, I affirm your decision to put it at the end, Mariana. All right. Um, blessing. Yes, please. Oh, actually, let's do, let's do, go ahead and sister, go do the social media stuff. Uh, I, I think Mariana should do it. <laughs> this, is pure, uh, this is pure entertainment for me. I know it is. Okay. I've gotten people in my, like people I really know just say, like, that's, that's the most funny part of the podcast is like listening to sister fumble her way through. You're trying kidding. to explain all the things you can find us and how you can support okay. us. Okay, okay. <laughs>
please. Um, we have an account. You're already laughing. I haven't even said anything yet. You should turn my screen off. We have. Laugh the <laughs> we have. Um, we are available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all the major platforms. And so please do whatever you can on those platforms, like liking us and giving us good ratings and commenting nice things. And please um, follow us on YouTube and. Father Michael has a Twitter that's called something I don't know, and Padre uh, Michael O. Father Michael, Padre Michael Padre. O, and um, Goodreads, which Beth so beautifully keeps updated when we give her the information to do so, and um, Facebook is and Instagram. Instagram is probably the most popular one actually. Yes. Um, so go on Instagram and follow us and comment on things. I think that's it. I think you hit it. Amen. Thank Great. you all for doing that. We appreciate it. And uh, let me give a blessing. May the bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May our Lord send you forth this day with his empowerment, with his consolations. May you find rest where our Lord gives rest and zeal where he gives zeal. May you desire to do his will that is for your own, the salvation of your own soul primarily and then that of those around you. May you desire not only the, the simple salvation of soul, but also the overflowing goodness and zeal and wisdom that God gives over and above uh, the simple fact of that he wants to save our souls. He also wants us to be happy. May you embrace and receive those graces as well. Um, may you be thankful for the generosity given you. And in being thankful, may you also be generous with what God has given you and, and be able to pass that generosity, God's own gift to those who ask for it and who, those who need it in the same overabundance that Christ offers. Um, may you keep in mind those who need prayers and especially those who have asked us to pray, in this case, the master's family. May these intentions stay with us throughout the day. May we bring them to the, the throne, to the cross, to the arms of the interceding saints and to God himself. May you trust in the Lord's grace and be confident in his blessings. May the Lord bless all of you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Father Michael. Thanks, Mariana. Love you guys. Love you listeners. Praying for you. All that. Ditto.